This recording begins with a reading of the Gospel of the Day. That will be followed by the homily from Father Paul O'Brien. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. At that time, Jesus came to Jericho and intended to pass through the town. Now a man there named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector and also a wealthy man, was seeking to see who Jesus was. But he could not see him because of the crowd, for he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus, who was about to pass away. When he reached that place, Jesus looked up and said, Zacchaeus, came down quickly, for today I must stay at your house. And he came down quickly and received him with joy. When they all saw this, they began to grumble, saying, He has gone to stay at the house of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Behold, half of my possession, Lord, I should give to the poor. And if I have stored anything from anyone, I should repay it in four times over. And Jesus says to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a descendant of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Those were the first, excuse me, 10 verses of the 19th chapter of Luke. This is an encounter that Jesus has in a town called Jericho, that may become important, that location, with a man named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is the one and only person in the entire Bible, Old Testament and New Testament combined, who is described as short. The only person in God's inspired word ever to be described as short. Imagine what this is like for him. There are eternal consequences. I have this vision. You make it to heaven. You're at the eternal wedding banquet. This short guy comes up and he says, hey, my name is Zacchaeus. You go, oh yeah, of course. For eternity, short. As we often talk about here, this is a sinful, fallen world. Very often, people don't like short people. I'm sorry to have to say that in the open, but that is not uncommon. I am not short, but I stand tall with the short, oh, bad choice of words. I stand with the short community. I think it's like you wonder, what are they doing? You can't quite keep track of them. He is, presumably, some people don't like him because he's short. For other reasons, most people, it seems from the scripture, actually the scripture writer says everyone dislikes Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is a head tax collector in Jericho. So remember the tax system at that time and place, the Roman Empire unjustly and really brutally is occupying Palestine. The taxes are for the Romans, so money that people are being forced to give to unjust occupiers. Tax collectors are people, in this case he's a Jewish person, who bids on a contract to collect the taxes, in this case in Jerusalem, in Jericho rather. The Romans prescribe 
how much should be collected from each person. And the person puts in a bid based on the population, presumably, and when they get the contract, when the tax collector gets the contract, he pays that full bid. Then he goes out with people who work for him and they collect the taxes. So he's paid all the money to the Romans in the first place. You get this. This is a system that's only ripe for dishonesty, for brutality to the people. So tax collectors are commonly shaking people down for more than what's actually prescribed. That's why Jesus often loops in tax collectors and prostitutes because it's a really disreputable, dishonest, frequently abusive profession. So he's short, that's discrimination, he's the head, a head tax collector, and he's rich. Presumably his wealth is ill-gotten gains. I think it's probably even safe for people to presume he's got all this money as a result of dishonesty and brutality. So it's really surprising to people 2,000 years ago, and if you're honest, when you read this passage, that when Jesus goes into Jericho, he calls Zacchaeus by name, and he says, Zacchaeus, come down from this tree he's climbed, come down quickly, because today I have to stay in your house. The scripture writer, and I presume the scripture writer chooses the words carefully, everyone grumbles about this, and they say, Jesus is going to stay in the home of a house of a sinner. Everyone presumes, for reasons that make sense, that Zacchaeus is a serious sinner. So that is, and Jesus does go to the homes of tax collectors and prostitutes. Jesus has tax collector, a tax collector who becomes one of his 12. So that would not be unusual. I believe probably the case is there's much more going on in this encounter than you first would see and that everyone sees about Zacchaeus. If what I think about this passage is true, there's just a whole eye-opening dimension that I think is very good news, at least for some of us, particularly in this community. So as you know, I'm getting old. The more years I spend with this passage, the more convinced I am about what I'm now going to tell you. I could be wrong. There is a first for everything. I could be wrong. If I'm wrong about this, it won't do you any damage. But if I'm right about this, it's really a wildly interesting passage. Three years before Jesus has the encounter with Zacchaeus, John the Baptist, as I hope you will recall, is preparing people for the coming of the Messiah, for Jesus. John the Baptist preaches a baptism of repentance for the conversion from sin and for people to actively prepare for the coming of the Messiah. He does this in the whole territory of the Jordan. Jericho is exactly there. Jericho is in the southern end of the Jordan Valley. It's just five miles away from the Jordan River. He preaches a conversion for the forgiveness of sins, preparation for the Messiah. Only each of the four gospel writers has a different account of John the Baptist's preaching. Only Luke puts in a detail that one of the groups of people who do convert at the call of John the Baptist is tax collectors. We heard that at the beginning of this liturgical year on the third Sunday of Advent. Tax collectors, some, really do convert. And they say to John the Baptist, 
what should we do? We heard that right at Mass. John the Baptist says to them, stop collecting more than what's prescribed. He does not say, quit your job as a tax collector. He does not say, try to reform the system. He does not say, well, take a quarter of what you've made you know, immorally and give it to people who deserve it. All he says is stop collecting more than what's prescribed. He tells them to be ethical, true, honest, godly tax collectors. Three years later, Jesus comes to Jericho. What I have come to suspect is the case is that Zacchaeus is not a sinner. I think Zacchaeus is a formally, gravely sinful tax collector who has converted and is waiting for the Messiah. Because when Jesus comes, Zacchaeus hears Jesus is coming. Presumably he's heard that Jesus is the Savior. He goes immediately to see him. That is precisely what a converted, godly tax collector would do. He gets to Jesus, and Jesus wants to enter his house, exactly what the Savior wants to do for people who have been preparing for his coming since the preaching of John the Baptist. The muddle becomes for us as English speakers, in the translation we just heard, Zacchaeus says to Jesus, I will give half of my possessions to the poor. If I've extorted anyone, I will repay it four times over. Here's the key thing, that is wrong. I can actually say for once that translation is wrong. The verbs in Greek are in the present tense. When everybody grumbles and says he's a sinner, Zacchaeus does not become defensive. Zacchaeus states as a fact, I give, I already give half of my money to the poor. That is not what a sinner does. That's what someone who has converted and has figured out what do I do about my past sinfulness, that's giving a lot. I mean, think about this. Give half of your money to the poor? That's the action of not a holy person. That's of a deeply converted sinner. If I extort anyone, I repay it now four times over. He's still a tax collector. The system is still corrupt. There is no way that he's going to change all the people who work for him. Extortion continues. But now, not in the future, it's in the present tense, I repay. When there's extortion, I repay it four times over. That is not the action of a sinner. That is the action of someone who has deeply converted to God and is living a very holy life, a very unusually holy life. When Jesus says what's going on in this encounter, when everyone, everyone says he's a sinner, Jesus says what's going on. He says nothing about Zacchaeus's sin, which in other cases he does with sinners. He says nothing like, today your sins are forgiven, which he does with other sinners. He does not say, I'm entering the house of a tax collector or a prostitute because they're sick and they need a doctor, which he says in other cases. He does not say to Zacchaeus, go and sin no more, which he does in other cases. What he says is, today salvation 
has come to this house. Who has literally come to this house today? Jesus, he sang out loud to Zacchaeus, I am the savior. I firmly believe this. He is, it's like the one healed leper who gives thanks. He's saying to Zacchaeus what he says directly to very few people, I am the savior. He says, this man is a true descendant of Abraham, not he will become, he is living an ethical, holy Jewish life. And Jesus says, the son of man, the expression he uses uniquely for himself, has come to seek and to save those who, that, which, that which was lost, not is lost, and this the Greek is, in the past, I forget what you call this tense, it's like the past perfect participle, something that was going on for an extended period in the past and is now over. I am the savior and I've come to save, seek out, and to offer salvation to this man who was lost. So why does that matter? I think it matters because number one, in any time and place, there are plenty of serious sinners who have in fact converted to Jesus Christ, who are in fact living very holy lives, but because of the way they lived in the past, people still see them and point them out as sinners. I think this matters in our community because that is the case for many of us, including me. Many of us in this community have in the past lived really gravely sinful lives for protracted periods of time. In our particular community, that's visible, even physically, on plenty of us. And I see over and over again, as a priest in this community, that plenty of people completely don't understand because of that person's past or that person's appearance, that person is a sinner. And that is lousy, at least it can sting if you're that person. It's not good for Zacchaeus. It couldn't be pleasant to have people think the opposite of who he is spiritually. It is not pleasant for Jesus that people say that what he does is the work of the devil. And it is not pleasant for plenty of you or some of you that people think you are sinners when you've actually converted. Zacchaeus is great news because it does not matter what other people think if they're wrong. If they're right, it matters. If they're wrong about who you are, blessed are you. Zacchaeus shows you all that matters is that Jesus knows who you are and he wants to be with you. And he may want to reveal more to you than all these other people who are busy calling you a sinner. Last part of that is for any of us who make the mistake of presuming people's sinfulness based on their past behavior. Are you absolutely sure you're right? I'm not trying to be naive here. I think Vladimir Putin is probably a gravely sinful, evil person, unless he's mentally ill, which I don't think he is. The evil he's doing, I think, I'm not judging him, I think is of a horrible sinner. But Tim Lane, am I absolutely sure his spiritual state? I think I should be careful. So here's the spiritual exercise I invite you to do this week, whether I'm right or not about that interpretation. Pull out that passage and focus on Zacchaeus. 
What does he do? He does a lot in that simple encounter. Whatever he does must be good, and I encourage all of us to do it. So for example, he hears that Jesus is coming. He immediately tries to get to Jesus. He's not lazy, he doesn't play a game, he doesn't have a drink, he tries to get to Jesus. When he encounters obstacles to get to Jesus, he's short and there's a crowd of people. He doesn't let the obstacles give him an excuse or discourage him. He uses his brain. He figures out, how can I get close to Jesus? I can climb the sycamore tree. He does it. That's actually a pretty embarrassing thing to do if you're the short guy. Imagine how the crowd reacts. Ah, the short guy has to climb the tree. He does not get held back by any overweening sense of self-dignity. He goes and he does whatever is necessary to get maximally close to Jesus. When Jesus tells him to do one thing, he does it. Come down quickly. I want to stay at your home. When he has the chance to meet Jesus, he welcomes Jesus with joy. When other people say to Jesus, he is a sinner, he doesn't get defensive, he doesn't get hung up about what I think he knows is wrong. He is straightforward with Jesus about his virtue. He's not bragging, he's not defending himself, he's straightforward. All of those qualities, I hope that's part of why you're here today. I hope that's why we come to Mass every Sunday. I hope that's what you're trying to do each day this week. The more you can identify with Zacchaeus, any of those simple choices, blessed are you. And the more you can identify with him, including being at this liturgy, the more you can be confident that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. You have been listening to Father Paul O'Brien, pastor of St. Patrick Parish in Lawrence, Massachusetts. For more information about the parish and to get involved, please go to stpatrickparish.com or follow us on social media. Thank you for listening.